interested in making your own podcast too? Download Anchor. I released every episode of Nevertheless She Persisted through Anchor and I love it. It's free, you can edit and publish your episodes from anywhere, and they put my podcast on every listening platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. I definitely recommend it. They also have cool background musics, transition musics, and you can record sponsorships like this one. Be sure to check it out. It has everything you need for your podcast. Download the free Anchor app in the App Store or wherever you get your apps or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that's anchor.fm. Hey guys, welcome back to Nevertheless She Persisted, a podcast with Sadie Seven. Today, I'm here with my dad again, and we're going to talk a bit about what it's like as a parent to have a daughter or child in treatment, what we hope for in the future at home, and all of I that. Agree. Um, so we've talked a good Boston bit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, talked about it in very positive terms, mm-hmm. but it might be helpful for me to explain that, you know, Boston, when I say Boston, I mean three E's, yes. which is a program which was an intensive um, residential therapy DBT, program. DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. And so this was a program that was recommended to us by our local um, medical personnel mm-hmm. and your care providers. Yes. And we didn't know anything about this <laughs> at all. No we idea. did a lot of research online the minute that people suggested mm-hmm. that we consider this. And uh, thankfully, uh, we were able to make the connection with the Reese. Mm-hmm. And it's just outside of Boston and Belmont. And it's um, affiliated with uh, McLean Hospital, mm-hmm. which focuses on mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And it's also staffed by a bunch of Harvard Medical School personnel. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak highly enough about it. Yeah. They're miracle workers in my True. point of view. But, um, but I'd say that uh, you know, that's pretty important that I, I give context as mm-hmm. to when I say Boston. What am I referring yes. to? Refer- they to didn't this. just drop me off on the streets at Boston, <laughs> Boston. University. Yeah. Yeah, in Harvard Square. Yeah. So, uh, Have fun. <laughs> so, so. so as a parent at 3 East, you talked a bit about the parent group. Um, we did family therapy sessions. And then you also had a lot of interactions with Miriam, my personal therapist, as well as different... Staff. Yeah. Um, so, what was your experience as a parent at while your child was at Three East? Well, at, at first, there's you don't you don't have any experience whatsoever with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my first experience was uh, complete ignorance in that we hopped on a plane, you and your mom and I, and we flew to Boston, and we go and, and have this sort of interview process yeah. to you know, hopefully get you into I kicked the you out of the room. You kicked us out of the room, and, and then they said that uh, you weren't interested in attending, and so that was a bit of a speed bump. <laughs> we traveled cross-country thinking that you were going to get started there, and then yeah. you decided that... Um, I didn't want to. Didn't want to. So that was a speed bump, and that's okay. We rolled with it, and um, thankfully it turned out a couple of days later, and mm-hmm. it worked out, but... Um, but that's a fun story. But 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 setting that that aside, I would say that um, you know I didn't have any context or, or really sort of any sort of I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so good news is we quickly learned in terms of what um, it was going to be like being a parent uh, yeah. as part of Three East and what our role was and what your role was and. The good news is they were very upfront. The team there was very upfront about listen. This is as much about you and your wife working hard um, and, and kind of developing the skills that you need as parents mm-hmm. 
just as much as it is about Sadie and her working on the things that she needs to work. And I think it was interesting now that the geography was challenging because we yeah. were across the country. However, I'm glad that basically every weekend, one of your mom or dad would actually fly across the country mm -hmm. and spend, as you said, the weekend with you in addition to the Monday morning parent meetings. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so thankful we were able to do that. I know that there's, you know, kind of most people would not have been able to pull that off. And I'm yeah. just incredibly thankful that we as well. were blessed to be able to do that because I think you appreciated it and mm -hmm. very much responded to that time. I think it was a big portion of the success, how much time we got to spend together and practice the skills we had learned and have those trial runs before I went home. True, true. Yeah, no, And to family therapy face-to-face. -face. I think that was a really big per portion. I agree. I agree. And it was, you know, during that 14-week period, we went from no communication with each other or almost no communication with each other and certainly not genuine and authentic mm -hmm. and deep to you uh, being incredibly generous and giving of mm -hmm. how you were feeling and how you were suffering and how much you were suffering. And, and I hope in return we were being more open communicators as well. Definitely. And, and that was, you know, really credit to Free East and what they were trying to do yeah. both with you but also with us. Mm -hmm. and, I got so much out of those Monday morning parent meetings that they would conduct um, from 8 in the morning until 11, 11.30 in the morning, mm -hmm. and I know that Jamie did as well. And so, and as you said, following that with in-person family therapy meetings mm -hmm. where we were all together, um, combined with the one-on-one -on -one time that we got over the weekend mm -hmm. where there was no, nothing got in the way uh, of just us being parents and, and, and you being a kid yeah. and, and that was that was my own therapy too mm -hmm. uh, candidly just you and I walking the streets of Boston mm -hmm. and going to grab a lunch and, and I know you and mommy would do it on the off mm -hmm. weekends as well so and sometimes thankfully we were both able to travel across the country and be with you together yeah. and so but uh, I was very 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 happy with how that worked out in terms of those 14 weeks yeah I agree um what was it like being a parent and still being a parent um, at the program provided for a therapeutic boarding school? So, so we can say, state the question again. I want to make sure. I, I, so uh, your experience as a parent at a therapeutic boarding school. My experience as a parent. Um, a bit different, like not as intensive. I don't see you every weekend. Yeah, well, it's different in mm -hmm. that the, the therapeutic boarding school has a very different protocol versus mm -hmm. the residential intensive in Three East, yeah. Three East wants the parents to be there every weekend, mm -hmm. wants the parents to be on campus on every Monday morning, mm -hmm. very much wants this intensive, as much as possible interaction to basically try to push and... The Push family, push, yeah. Mm -hmm. Push the family and to um, uncover things that come up, like conflict and Completely. tension and anxiety moments and this, that, and the other. So that was their protocol and that was their approach. Whereas the therapeutic boarding school, in some ways, was the one hundred and eighty opposite. Mm -hmm. Where I'd agree with that. we went from having you know three days out of seven seeing you, or two and a half days out mm -hmm. of seven seeing you, to literally the next week when we took you to Montana. Mm -hmm. They said they didn't want to see us for three months. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very Yeah, different. we barely and, said goodbye, and I was like, wait, what? And, and, and that, was, that was really hard for us because mm -hmm. while it was very difficult to enroll you um, in 3Es, which was across the country, there was the comfort knowing that, well, we'll see you in five days. Mm -hmm. I can call you every day. And you can call us whenever you wanted, and we can call you. Mm -hmm. And there was something very comforting about that versus... At this therapeutic boarding school um, in Montana, 
It was literally, we really, it, it's important that we not hear or see from you for a long time, in yeah. our opinion, um, because it was important for your therapy to stand on your own two feet and not um, be overly reliant on us mm -hmm. and for allow you time to look inward mm -hmm. as opposed to, in some ways, you could say be distracted by, mm -hmm. you know, kind of laying things off on your mom and I. And mm -hmm. so, and again, I, I think a lot of different approaches can work. And the reality is, is that when you were in three E's, that was by many, in many ways a crisis mode. And mm -hmm. so you have to take a certain very approach acute crisis, care. very mm -hmm. acute. Whereas the therapeutic boarding school clearly is a huge step down mm -hmm. in that you're, you're sort of, it, it's a big step forward in terms of on the way to um, kind of great mental health and fitness. So, um, but they're different. And so as a parent of a therapeutic boarding school mm -hmm. student, it's just uh, you have to be prepared for a very different approach, yeah. including the level of interaction and availability that you get with your child. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that was probably one of our biggest struggles was that we went from, as you said, you know, tremendous amount of communication mm -hmm. that was very open and amazing and exciting because we Which was even a step story. down from where we were before. It was kind of surprising not to see you guys every day, not be able to talk to you in person. Yeah. And then to go from, I get to see you two and a half days out of seven, call you every day to... See you in three months. See you in three months, yeah. basically. And oh, by the way, on the heels of that, you're going to have Google Doc time interaction mm -hmm. rather than a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll definitely have a phone call for social reasons, but it's once a week. And, Ten minutes. And, and short. And, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and then obviously family therapy, which mm -hmm. was wonderful uh, because it was uh, at least through FaceTime. Mm -hmm. So you'd be able to get that visual. But um, very limited, very limited. Yeah. Now, on the positive... I think it, it really put you in an uncomfortable position of having to look inward and to make sure that your foundation was strong regardless of your mom and dad, mm -hmm. which I think is an incredible, incredibly important life lesson mm -hmm. and will serve you the rest of your life. Yeah. And, and this is where parents, I think, um, despite their best intentions, don't give their kids enough space to mm -hmm. be able to develop those foundations. And so I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that you've got that foundation mm -hmm. and that time has allowed you to develop an incredibly solid mm -hmm. foundation. So, and I also will say that when you have less time to interact, you tend to appreciate it more and you treat it like diamond encrusted titanium. Mm -hmm. And so that Google doc time is something I always cherish. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been, you know, kind of wonderful to have it because you really, the quality of communication is mm -hmm. incredible. And the social calls are delightful, uh, and, and and obviously family therapy is wonderful because we see each other. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's different. You have to be prepared for it. It's, yeah. it's very different than probably what people are used to in terms of the amount of interaction mm -hmm. you get with your child. And I'm sure for some parents, if sending a child straight to therapeutic boarding school, coming off the heels of tons of conflict or issues, I'm sure it's quite a relief to be able to like get that step back and reground themselves. But coming from a program where we had worked through all that and felt pretty solid about our relationships. It was quite a shock to the system. True. And I think ours was in some ways not the normal path, mm -hmm. I think. I think usually the normal path is as you describe it, where there's some crisis at home, mm -hmm. there's some very long simmering tensions mm -hmm. and challenges, and then it's the next step is to go to a wilderness, wilderness. program or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and there's just in some ways a little bit of that relief that both the child and mm -hmm. the parent get from each other because things were at such a state mm -hmm. of crisis. And, 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 and that's typically the way it goes. Mm -hmm. Whereas we had something very, very different, which is we went from home to three E's. Mm -hmm. And as you've said several times, um, that gave us tremendous amount of interaction 
and then to go to limited interaction, if mm-hmm. not no interaction in the first couple of months, that was hard. And so, uh, so, I, but I do think our path, it sounds like has, you know, been a little bit unusual um, yeah. and, and not quite the norm. Yeah, it was a little bit different from what the therapeutic boarding school program was set up for and set right. up to adjust you to. Because typically the therapeutic is on the heels of a, a wilderness yeah. program. Yeah, and so it's like you've been in the woods for three months with no contact with anyone. Yeah. Now you can have this social call and this family yeah. therapy, and it's yeah. often really quite yeah. difficult for girls. Yeah. Um, so very different. And I know that you've never done a wilderness mm-hmm. program, but I can appreciate why they exist and, and oh, what yeah. they provide, which is just a chance for young girls and, and young boys to be able to not be distracted mm-hmm. by all the craziness that makes life hard sometimes, mm-hmm. like social media and the pressures of school and this, that, and the other, and to look inward and to be able to have that time because you've obviously you know, held a complete school load for the last uh, year mm-hmm. uh, at, at therapeutic boarding school, and, and sometimes that is enough a distraction to kind of get in the way mm-hmm. of someone's mental fitness. And so, so I appreciate the wellness programs. I, I, I completely agreed, obviously, with your doctors mm-hmm. that you didn't need it, yeah. given that you had spent 14 weeks uh, in a residential intensive mm-hmm. therapeutic program at 3 East. But I absolutely appreciate it for, for, for a lot of people. To go yeah, the it. biggest thing I always hear is people find themselves and have their identity, and especially for girls specifically, because that's who I've come in contact with most, a lot of confidence issues or self-love they come out being so confident with themselves they lived in the freaking woods for three months and yeah. carried everything on their backs and yeah, yeah that's huge um so what will you take away from the past two and a half years and this journey i suppose you could say well i'd say that there's a number of things i, I take away i'll come back to one thing i've already mentioned mm-hmm. which is the criticality of validation mm-hmm. just as a human is uh, and this goes far beyond being a father. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really goes back to being a human and interacting with other people. Is the importance of validating others mm-hmm. uh, to to just you know if you're suffering uh, and we all suffer mm-hmm. at different points in our life, just to have someone look you in the face and look you in the eyes and be able to say, "I can see that you're suffering," mm-hmm. and while I might not understand what that suffering feels like, I just want you to know that I know mm-hmm. that you're suffering. And that means so much to, 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 to someone. And so, so that's one thing I've taken away because I think when you start there, good things tend to happen mm-hmm. after that. It's a great foundation. It's a good foundation. It's a good first step. The second thing that I take away from the last two and a half years is that I think in society, it's amazing to me how much time and energy we put forward on focusing on physical fitness and we celebrate physical fitness and there's no stigma attached with, hey, I gotta drop ten pounds or mm-hmm. hey, I wanna go and train for a marathon mm-hmm. or, or whatever. I need to go to the gym. I need to go to the gym. I need to go to so side. Physical therapy appointment, yeah. Physical that like there's so much joy in, mm-hmm. in the, the journey of, of attaining physical people fitness. People take a lot of pride. And people take a lot of pride and, and, and people make jokes when they're not mm-hmm. in physical fitness and it's not um, a big scarlet letter. Mm-hmm. And it's just a part of who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. But yet, in 2019, the notion of mental fitness mm-hmm. is still, in some cases, a hushed, quiet Taboo. Thing. It's taboo. It's, you know, the, the only thing that sort of, the only area of it that truly is without stigma is the topic of meditation. And, yeah. you know, these, you know, headspace apps mm-hmm. and things like that. Because that's sort of this sort of... Um, 
sort of zen-like, look at how cool and interesting yeah. I am because I, I'm able to meditate. Yeah. And, and I, I just hope and I wish that the balance of, of the things that go into mental fitness stop being hidden in a closet mm-hmm. and stop being a stigma. And, and I, I told you this one time, Sadie, which was I was flying back from Boston, one of mm-hmm. my you know, 12 round-trip <laughs> tickets uh, that, that I was on uh, seeing you. And I went through Logan Airport, and I was going from one terminal to another, and it was probably a couple hundred yard mm-hmm. walkway, and the entire wall was covered with profiles of people who were proud patients and alumni of McLean Hospital, mm-hmm. which is where Three East is located. And it just made me smile, because it was the first time in my life that I saw in a public setting mm-hmm. a very proud and joyful discussion about mental fitness Mm -hmm. and so so i'd say that that's the second thing i take away from the last two and a half years is the importance of celebrating the pursuit of mental fitness and all that goes into it because it literally in my opinion is every bit as much as important and worthy as the topic of physical fitness and and that's something i've taken away from the last Mm -hmm. two and a half years it's it's also very difficult like physical fitness you track it via pounds or mile times pictures mental health is such an abstract concept um and it's very difficult to document and you can be like okay i feel happy yeah. and then like a year from then you're in a completely different state and you're like i was really unhappy then like yeah. it's so difficult to have an awareness around and yeah. an yeah. understanding of there's no um wearable device that mm-hmm. uh, you know that will yeah. tell you your you're sad right place. now no, yeah. there's all sorts of devices that tell mm-hmm. you how many calories you've burned and and what your you know your your glucose levels mm-hmm. are and how much sugar you've been taking yeah. uh, over the course of the last 24 hours the closest thing i've come to sort of a measurement of it is what you taught us which mm-hmm. is the bullet journal where you would literally keep a journal throughout the day mm-hmm. um, of on a, on a consistent scale you know, what's my baseline and, and what's these other things. And that to me was, it's not perfect because it's mm-hmm. all subjective, but I was so proud of you that you did that in a disciplined way because it did allow you to take a step back and for us to take a step back and look at that journal and be able to say, what's the progression of how Sadie's feeling about mm-hmm. herself in terms of her, you know, her baseline and other, mm-hmm. other attributes. And it's not perfect, but at least it's a start. And, and, I agree. And so I, I think there's a long way to go for us as a society and for it as a profession. Um, and I'm just so thankful to the miracle workers that, that invest their careers in this. Mm-hmm. The last question is, what do you hope for in the future with me hopefully being at home, our relationship, or anything that you have hoped for? Well, I'll start with my first hope, which I think any dad would have for, for their daughter, which is that that um, she find happiness in her life, and and not every moment is going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that you know we wouldn't be human uh, yeah. if, if every moment was happy. And so I'm not in any way suggesting a fairy tale uh, future in terms of what what I hope for you, um, but I do think any any father wishes that their their daughter's life be one where they allow themselves to be happy. They allow themselves to enjoy moments that are joyous uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and to, to do the best you can with what God has given you. I, I think that you know, the combination of you know, allowing yourself to, to 
to, to feel joy, mm-hmm. to um, motivate yourself to make this world a better place with what God has given yeah. you, um, and to fully allow yourself to be vulnerable and to invest in sincere relationships based on who you are mm-hmm. versus any perception. Um, that's that's what I hope for as a dad, and and I. I'm so optimistic that those things uh, are in your future mm-hmm. because I've seen you progress over the last two and a half years. I've seen you at your lowest of lows and I see you today and I'm just, I feel so good about your future. And I don't say that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have said that two and a half years ago mm-hmm. because I just didn't know. But thankfully, because of all the wonderful people that have entered your lives over the last two and a half years, and a lot of the hard work that you've done, and in some small ways, some of the work that your mom and I have done, um, I feel so much better about it. And so that's my, my hope for you as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a father. You asked a second question that I conveniently forgot. <laughs> what was the second question? Um, what do you hope for me at home? At home. So at home, I'd Or say, being at home, or like for the family as well. For the family. So I think that... And we, we're in the middle now where you're coming home for visits, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so we're getting a little glimpses into this. And I was so happy on your, your most recent visit where what I hope for in terms of you at home is that you're able to make the decision to be present, and you make the decision to be vulnerable, and you make the decision mm-hmm. to really um, do things that you might not want to do. And I remember just this last visit where you came home and I brought you right back from the airport and some of the kids were playing basketball in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And normally this lady, you know, that I know historically would wave nicely, <laughs> go inside and go up to your room. Yeah. And the fact that you got out of the car and made the decision, which I know would not be your first choice. I'm really bad at basketball. <laughs> to shoot basketball for the next half mm-hmm. hour was, it just made me smile. And so to your question of why do I hope for you at home? I hope you make those kind of decisions where you make the tough decision to be present. You make the tough decision to be vulnerable. You make the tough decision to put yourself in situations that might not be as comfortable as going to your room and, and, and spending time alone. And because I do believe that from those decisions comes moments of joy, moments of true connection with family and friends, and ultimately, just a wonderful life writ yeah. large. So, so that's what I hope for you at home. Thanks for listening. See you next time. P.S. Nevertheless, she persisted.